this is PrimerCast episode eight, and uh, today we'll be talking about Casablanca. Hey, Amza. Hey. All right. So <laughs> you you, rec you recommended this movie. You asked me to choose between this and Eternal Sunshine, and I chose this one since you said you didn't see it. I don't know. This might be the second oldest film I've ever seen after Citizen Kane. Yeah, same here. Uh, it was definitely an interesting experience. Yeah, because I think with this movie, uh, it has a lot of cliches, but the thing is, this created a lot of cliches. Yeah, I think it's really hard to pinpoint like what makes this movie a classic, because you know mm -hmm. there are things you can point out with like other movies, but this one is just uh, it's just a romance, but it's like a you're saying you know like the romance between three yeah, people, so like a love triangle. Yeah, kinda. Uh, so let's go with a synopsis, basically. Yeah, uh, sure. Casablanca, uh, the jazz is loud, cigarette smoke is thick, and knocks are everywhere. Uh, basically, Casablanca is set in during World War II, uh, and Casablanca is a French colony, I believe. So it's after the Nazis occupy France. So it's in kind of a limbo state. It's Influenced by Nazi regime, was also somewhat independent. So it's a pit stop for like refugees from like who are fleeing the Nazis, like you know, like political activists and all that stuff who are fleeing Nazis. Uh, they come here and then from here they go to Lisbon or the United States. And the story is about Rick, right? Uh, he's a he's an American from New York, I believe. Yeah. And he has this like bar, like a saloon in Casablanca and his old flame, he used to live in, uh, in uh, Paris and his old flame from Paris comes and uh, me, uh, they meet at Casablanca and then she and her husband need to get off Casablanca and go to uh, America because they're escaping like Nazis and his, her uh, husband is some like resistance leader. Yeah, and basically yeah. the thing is that she used to be in love with uh, Rick when they were in yeah, Paris. Yeah, she, she still is, I think. Yeah, and yeah. that's basically the whole story. It's like who goes where and who should be with who. And yeah. it's all set during World War II and all these tensions. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, honestly, it's more than an actual like romance movie. I felt this is more of a, like an American Western. What what did you see that made you well, think it was a Western Yeah, influence? so the, it definitely, like, the plot line was off a Western. You have this, like, lone figure uh, who's out in, like, an exotic land, you know? He's a mm -hmm. um, good-looking guy by himself in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and then he, he doesn't, he only looks out for himself, kind of. Like, you know, like, the John Wayne character? Mm -hmm. Like Stagecoach? Yeah, yeah. So he's just he's just like rough rider who's out there and then he he uh he meets some people and he helps them out, but at the end he can never really sell down because he's at heart a wild individual. Like he belongs out there, like, you know. Mm hmm He never be tamed himself, but he, he can help like other people like go through the journey. I was really impressed by how much uh influence this movie has, like there are a lot of lines that I often hear repeated in pop culture. Oh, and yeah. There's lot. so much iconic dialogue that comes from this movie alone, you know? Yeah, like, here's to you, kid, is iconic. That line. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. more of an inclusion of Humphrey Bogart, but I think it's generally the, the characters in the story. 
like all of them are really quick. Mm-hmm. Like these are the kind of comebacks you have, you know, when you have an argument with your friend and then you go in the shower and you're like, you know, I should have said this <laughs> at this point. Yeah, it's, it's way witty. Yeah, it's incredible. Because yeah. there's this line where um, there's this woman named Yvonne, right? And she was with Rick for a while. And this is before he meets uh, Victor Laszlo and uh, his former flame. Uh, what's her name? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ilza. Ilza, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Yvonne basically asks Rick, like, why won't you be with me? Why, why won't you stay with me? And then he's like, wait, let me just pull up the exact line because I wrote <laughs> this down and I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah, she's like, what about tonight? No, so like, what about yesterday? And he's like, that's so long ago. I don't remember. And then he's mm-hmm. like, what about tonight? And he's like, I never make plans that far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's incredible. Like, like these lines are like quick. The and- dialogue is very, yeah, very, yeah, sophisticated. Uh, I, I didn't find and- it sophisticated. I found it like very simple and to the point. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what like- I meant. Yeah, it's very like catchy, almost. Like, I think it, I don't know. I don't know what exactly makes the dialogue iconic, but I think this is the one thing I can point to because most of the dialogue is like something that you would say to like be cool or, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, honestly, watch this movie. I see where like Steven Spielberg and uh, Lucas got the inspiration from because you know the, the Rick's, uh, Rick's like saloon. It's like more, you know, uh, in Star Wars, The New Hope, the first one, it's like yeah. the cantina. Like exactly the cantina and Star Wars, the most likely cantina, and you then mean, so you mean like it was an influence on George Lucas, right? Not yeah, Steven yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Both because Steven Spielberg, the Indiana Jones, the uh, the uh, Raiders Lost Ark, mm-hmm. it looks like Casablanca. Like after watching the bar, the movie, I, you mean the yeah, bar? Yeah, the whole, where the whole thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing is like you Nazis in like a foreign land. It's very uh, in the Middle East. It's very like close to that. And also, Rick, the character, he seems like a James Bond type of character, too. And the way he's introduced, too, he's like under his, you see his hand signing like some paper. Yeah, Rick, yeah. And then it zooms up and it's in a white tux. It's very James Bond-esque. I think in that moment itself, like, yeah, coming to that moment, it's like when he puts a signature, it's a really big yeah. signature. Like it, like it covers like one-fourth of the check and uh, yeah. or the paper that he, I think it's a check. So I'm going to say it's a check. but. Uh, basically, you see his signature so big, and then he, you know, he he's playing chess, so that mm-hmm. kind of like hints at like what his interests are. Like he's more of an intellectual person, maybe. And then you yeah, yeah. get a a close up of his face, not a close up exactly, but you get to see his face. Yeah, it's kind of like Indiana Jones, where you know you see you see his like silhouette first in the jungle, and then it zooms, I see his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely, I see like Lucas like getting influence from these films. If you did you notice like there was a hidden cut like there was there were a couple of hidden cuts in order to make sure like the takes it looked like as if they were like longer takes so like the one where they introduced Rick he puts his finger he puts his index finger on the bishop of mm-hmm. the chess set and it cuts right there and it goes to another cut did you notice that I was just like I will notice a couple of cuts like those yeah yeah it had interesting the way they put together is interesting too yeah because I don't think there was anything like spectacular with the direction. Uh, it was simple, and I think that's what made the story so much more involving. Like, it never overshadowed it in any way. Like yeah. The presentation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the director, right? What's his name? Uh, Michael Curtis. Like, he's from, I think he's of Hungarian origin. So okay. he directed a, some films in Europe, and then he came and he directed 
more films here in Hollywood, and that's and Casablanca, the most famous one. So, like, his, his direction is very simplistic. I think he more he adapted himself more to like the actors and yeah, more for the characters. Think, yeah, it definitely works. Like, it doesn't always shadow the uh, the performances in any way. Like the I, directing. Yeah, because it's so simplistic in its style, and I think that really yeah. complements the story so well. Because all the complications are between these three people. And, you know, by keeping everything minimal, except for the music, maybe, uh, I think, uh, you know, it really enhances the mood around these three characters and mm -hmm. more so around of the environment that they're in. Like, all three of them are trapped in some way or the other when they're in Casablanca. Like, Rick, yeah, already yeah. he can't go back to the U.S. for some unknown reason, but he can't go back. And the same thing with Victor, who can't go back to his country because it's occupied by Germany. Like, he's from Czechoslovakia. And uh, mm -hmm. Ilsa, like, you really don't know where she is from, but she's been here or there. It's actually really hard to pinpoint because although they make Rick seem like the most mysterious character, she might be the most mysterious one. Yeah, because she has a lot of secrets in her past, too. Yeah. And yeah. you only find it until later. Yeah. And uh, I think there's like a theme of uh, sacrifice that constantly keeps going through. Like mm -hmm. Ilsa had to sacrifice the love she had for her husband when, you know, so originally uh, Ilsa was married to Victor. And the thing is yeah, that their marriage was a secret. Victor, yeah, yeah. And then what happened was uh, she heard that Victor was Died. And, yeah. And she then decided to move on to Paris where she ended up meeting Rick and falling in love with him. And then on the day, exact day before they were supposed to leave Paris because the German army was approaching, uh, was going to infiltrate Paris, mm -hmm. um, Rick goes on the train and Ilsa doesn't come with him because Ilsa finds out that day that Victor is still alive. So yeah, she goes back yeah. to Victor because she feels conflicted and, you know, Victor was like her first love. So yeah, that's basically, I mean, wait, what was I talking about again? I mean, <laughs> I said the entire thing. <coughs> Sacrifice. Sacrifice, yeah. So she has yeah, to sacrifice. Yeah. She had to sacrifice her first love and move on to a new life. And then she realizes that she can go back to her old life. So she has to sacrifice her new life to go back to that old life. And so that's why they keep referring to their time in Paris, like Rick and Ilsa, like as some sort of memory, like something you keep in a snow globe, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I definitely saw that. Also, I felt that this movie as a whole is uh, like, a love letter to the decade like the the time was set in because it's set in like the 1940s and especially like because you see rick he like, represents the ideologies of america quintessential like uh, isolationist policies of the usa in that in the 30s because you know he looks, he looks out for himself only and like uh he doesn't want to get involved in any politics and just wants to focus on himself so it's kind of the U.S. policy before World War Two, and also it's mentioned that he fought in the Spanish Civil War. He, I mean, he assisted the like the communists in the Civil War, which also was a thing that American like U.S. citizens, because the U.S. wasn't directly involved in that conflict, but U.S. citizens went over to fight. So I think Rick represents like isolationist America, and as the movie progresses, his um, like, stance on like his involvement changes. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, the, the time when it released, right, it was 1942 when it released. It actually released in coincidence 
it was supposed to be released in 1943, but I think they released it like two months early because it came at the same time as I think when the Allied forces. Yeah, so uh, 1941 was when Pearl Harbor happened. So it happened like right after the U.S. joined the war. Right, right. But the U.S. Yeah. was just fighting with Japan at that point. They hadn't come to Europe yet, you know. And I think. Yeah, yeah. Hitler declared war later. I think around the same time. But I think it, it definitely shows that like. It depicts American like mentality at the time. Yeah, yeah. I think um, there was also a parallel with how um, America has always been like this abode for immigrants. Yeah, it's like yeah, the land definitely. of immigrants. Yeah. Um, you sort of see that, like, if you if you you know going along with your theory that or your mm-hmm. idea that uh, Rick sort of represents America's stance. Um, you know, there's like this Hungarian couple, right? Or not Hungarian, Bulgarian, I think. Yeah, and there's this Bulgarian yeah. couple, and you know he sort of helps them win at poker. You know they mm-hmm. do gambling on his in his bar or his saloon, and uh, he helps them win at poker, and they get some money so that they can get uh, the prefect of the police, right, Captain Reynolds, to mm-hmm. sign their uh, I don't know papers. Yeah, yeah their papers, papers so that they can leave yeah. Casablanca for the U.S. So I think that's also sort of mirror. You know, like oh and, yeah, definitely. Uh, I thought I that scene was very good. Yeah. Yeah, I think Rick's like uh, his uh, like saloon, like Rick's saloon in America. It's very like it depicts America. You have like a melting pot. You have like if you like look in the opening scene. I mean, you go through this uh, his saloon. You can see people of like different backgrounds. There's like Arabs, like Germans, uh, French, like Europeans. They're all they're all mixing and talking, and I think that just like is meant to show like you know the melting pot of cultures that the America America is. Yeah, I agree. Especially with the music, the use of jazz, yeah, right? The jazz music, Sam. yeah. This is yeah, this is very like the United States. I think they were supposed to replace thing. Sam with like a female singer, but mm-hmm. you know, eventually I think they had there would be a too much of a problem during post production, so they just left Sam in. So it's actually kind of surprising. So basically Sam uh, is played by Dooley Wilson and he's a drummer in real life. So oh. you know Okay. Yeah, so I think they brought in a pianist. I'm not sure who they exactly brought in, but it was a pretty big uh, musician. Just give me a second. I'll figure it out. Um, okay, I, okay I, I read somewhere, but basically they brought in a person, and he would play mm-hmm. the piano from afar. And what uh, Dooley Wilson would do is that he would fake playing the piano by, like, mimicking those hand movements. So, oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, and he's he, apparently he's one of the few American-born members of the cast. Like, even though it's a big Hollywood production, this is probably uh, an international cast, you know? Yeah, because the main uh, actress is, she's an American. She's born in Europe, uh, Ingrid Berman. She's from... Uh, Sweden, right? Sweden, yeah, she's Swedish, yeah. Yeah, and uh, same thing. Um, uh, the guy who plays Victor Laszlo, like Paul Heinrich, he's mm-hmm. also from Austria, I think. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Apparently, he and uh, the other two, Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman, did not get along very well. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I wanted to point out was that, you know, we were talking about how Rick was being so diplomatic and how that stance reflected. And you can sort of see that in the way he treats the Germans as well. Like, the Germans are the ones who give all this exposition about how Rick cannot go back to his own country. And, you know, he's sort mm-hmm. of an outcast. Yeah. You know, uh, an isolationist of sorts. And uh, the the way he replies too, like he's like, "What will you be part of the? Will you support the German cause if uh, we end up 
uh, going through London. When they like, to New York, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, call me. <laughs> he's like, call me when you do that, you know? Like, Yeah, I think definitely represents like isolationist policy of the U.S. before the war. Yeah. But at the end, you see him like changing sides and he actually like, he, he realizes that this is not just like a fight that's across the continent. It's a fight that influences me too. Mm-hmm. And you and, see him like really take interest to like, you know, defeating Nazis and helping people. And when the general, right, Major uh, Stasser. Um, yeah, he just shoots the dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's at the end. But what I was saying was, you know, when he asked him about how about we come in, well, what happens when we infiltrate New York? And he's like, I wouldn't advise doing that. <laughs> so he's so diplomatic about everything else in the same way the U.S. was at that point, you know? Like, we meddle, don't meddle in our affairs and we won't meddle I in mean, yours. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. sort of, um, what's that policy called? It's called like... Isolationism? It's not, it's not like, there was like a specific policy name at that point, like no, um, I don't know what it's called. I forgot, like, I mean, that shows how useful school was for me, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but thanks, AP class, APO. It's not other than APO, I think it was like US history, but what, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what I was saying was that, yeah, this sort of like isolationist policy uh, is really reflected and rigged and along, uh, you know, and all of a sudden he's thrown back into this. Like he has to sort of make a choice. And I sort of foreshadowed that he can make a choice if he really chooses to, you know? Uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, for example, he, when Victor Laszlo comes in along with Ilsa, he chooses to have a drink with his customers, which he usually doesn't. He helps out that Bulgarian couple when he hears about their problems, you know, because yeah. he, he knows like he can do it for them. But, you know, he just has to play a hand like subtly. So you can see that although diplomatic, he's willing to support the side of the underdog. And, you know, his history, right, with the Ethiopian wars and, you know. Yeah, he definitely like, he fought against Nazism before, but it wasn't officially. So Which I was think, the U.S. too. Like, yeah. the U.S. supported, like, the communists in uh, Spain, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, they gave aid to the British, but they weren't, like, outright supporting them at the beginning of the war. Yeah, and I think he represents what America ideally is supposed to be, right? Like, his bar and him, like, they're sort of a reflection of that. And, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, that's on, like, the, you know, on a larger level. But at the center, like, and the main point, like, that's made in Casablanca is, like, how far will you go to sacrifice your love for someone? And that's what we see between these three characters. Like, what do you think about the performances? They were pretty good. Uh, I, I enjoyed them. Personally, I enjoyed them a lot. I, how about you? I thought they were very good. But, like, you know, they're, like, for their time, you know? In a sense that, how do I say? Yeah, it, it sounded very 1940s Hollywood. Like, it was, like... Exactly. Typical 1940s Hollywood. Like the lighting, you know, the lighting too, like the the glow lighting and everything is very 1940s Hollywood. Yeah, apparently like some of the shadows, they just painted them in. Oh, so, really? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when you paint the shadows in, like how, how are you going to know? Like it's just based on how you light it because they were like, okay, here's what they might have done. Like uh, this is what I read on IMDb trivia, but basically they might have just lighted it once. They would have figured out where some of the shadows are for the scene. And you know, they might have just painted those in. So, you know, there's consistency, you know, when they record the scenes, when oh, they okay. do the filming. So that was really interesting. And yeah, uh, the lighting is very, like, like perfect. Yeah. Another it's not, thing, like, flaw. You know how, like, like, movies now have, like, like lens flares and, like, you know, they're, they're intentionally flawed. Yeah, this yeah. It's like, very, like, deliberately, like, perfect, like, angel-like almost. 
Yeah, and yeah, that's that's definitely the first uh, impression you get when you see Ingrid Bergman, right? So oh, yeah, basically, yeah. basically, like what I noticed throughout the film is that they never film her from the right side. Uh, the camera is always filming her left side. And mm-hmm. I was like, why was that? You know, because uh, no, no other actor had that sort of thing. But apparently in her contract, it was written that she should be only uh, filmed from her left side because that's her preferred oh. side. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, and then I think, uh, yeah, so that was written in her contract. And so she's always filmed from her left side. And another thing I noticed was that it looked like she was about to cry or like, you know, uh, like her eyes are glittering of sorts. Yeah, what was that? I don't know. It, her eyes felt like glassy almost. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like about, she was like about to cry at any point. So, and then when you see her actually like cry and at the end, it was like, okay, so this is where all the waterworks come. But, <laughs> uh, but I, I, okay, yeah. So I was, yeah. So Wikipedia says that for the cinematography, they use like a softening gauze filter and catch light. So. I, I don't know what that means, but maybe the you know that's the same function as what a lens flare does, you know. No, I think what that does is it uh it like softens shadows. Um, I don't know. I'm just going off like photography terms, but I'm just <laughs> yeah. That, that's it, why I was a- asking you because I thought yeah, you might have think, more knowledge. About I think that. I think what it does is like softens shadows, so it's not like hard shadows. It, it, I think it lights the face better, so you get like no harsh like shadows extensuous like you know jawlines and the cheekbones mm-hmm. yeah i think that's what it is yeah i think but, don't quote me on that that's from that's my guess yeah and i think that they did they said they did this to make uh quote unquote ineffably sad with tender sorry ineffably sad and tender and nostalgic and you know i think uh yeah it achieves all those three like pretty well oh yeah did nostalgia yeah it's pretty strong this movie yeah and uh, did you notice like yeah. there was some film noir lighting? Like I don't know. Have you watched like, yeah. film noir? Yeah, the ending is very film noir-ish. Like with, with the, the shadows like the, and the rain. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I thought like I mean I watched a couple. Um I watched I'll talk about double indemnity because that's the one I remember the most. Mm-hmm. But basically, you know, like I was really astounded when I first watched it, I was really astounded by the shadows and the lighting and you know, this film noirish thing. And I had to do this project and and as a result, like I ended up learning a lot more about it, and that's they employ some of those, uh, especially in the end, and when there's like a conversation between two people. So they went, especially when Major Stasser is in scenes, you know, like you often see that come up. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, of course, another one is when he and Ilsa meet at midnight, you know, in their bar. Rick. And Ilsa. Yeah, yeah, that's very. That scene is very familiar. You have a guy drinking whiskey on an empty bar at night that's yeah. very in a fedora yeah and it's and he has smoking a hat on. He has a and hat. smoking yeah, oh, yeah and smoking a too, yeah. suit it doesn't get any more film noir than that yeah definitely i mean you know i i first thought that you know there wouldn't be much to talk about this movie but as the more i read about its history and you know its context you know i'm just mm-hmm. starting to understand how important this movie was oh yeah yeah definitely uh it had a it seems to have a huge impact on cinema like this shaping cinema. Yeah, because um, not only that, but the background as well of all these actors, you know, so, so I mentioned it was an international cast, but mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the actors who played Nazis were like German Jews who had escaped, you know? Oh, really? Like, oh, wow. like the guy who plays Carl, um, the guy who plays Carl, basically, yeah, I think his sister and his nieces, they, they were trapped in a concentration camp and he managed to escape. 
and you oh, know wow. like yeah so when you when you yeah when you get people like who are actually like who actually suffered you can sort mm -hmm. of see the genuine performances like especially in the scene where they sing the french national anthem like over oh, the yeah. german song <laughs> yeah yeah and uh yeah i thought that you know the that really like sort of enhanced the performances you know yeah i think give it a bit of historical edge too like they came from a personal place mm -hmm. and uh yeah i mean i, I don't know like you could see the emotion like talking about that scene specifically like you could see the emotions on their face you know like how it reflects and it's sort of that french pride that comes out of nowhere you know and even and, like yeah it, it resurfaces too because you see like you know a lot of people in the bar like you know like the, the like the french soldiers they're like part of germany now like they're part of vichy france it's like german puppet state but once that comes on they revert back to the nationalistic and like you know love of france even though then you know they collaborated with germans so yeah so the thing was that um i mean a lot of people did this movie you know like i mean talking about the context it was in like this was when america was about to like really enter the war right mm -hmm. yeah and around the same time like a lot of these people just escaped so there was sort of this um there was already this movement like against like despite you know the diplomatic stance that america took there was i think it was already present among the people and like you know like hollywood like talking about hollywood specifically because this is mm -hmm. a hollywood studio film um you know their stance there there's you can really see the stance against uh uh they, they have against nazis like throughout the movie um, yeah uh yeah definitely i think this is one of the first like films that like you know it, it's definitely saying that america should definitely enter the war and do something like this yeah like they're openly sort of vying for it right and yeah uh, yeah and on top of that you have uh you know like there are different points at where that sympathy uh for the refugees and for people fighting against uh the nazis are you know like cultivated within different parts oh, of yeah, the film oh yeah definitely you know? yeah like with the couple mm -hmm. and you see people talk about uh you know, especially in the beginning you see people trying to like brick bar is a place where like people can hang and make all shady deals and the, the good thing is that rick doesn't interfere right mm -hmm. with anything so uh you can see people like really trying to get out there i think in the beginning there's this one scene with this uh old guy like he and his wife they're trying to like speak english so that you know when they settle oh, there yeah, like the, they the can, germans and they're speaking english yeah yeah mm -hmm. and another guy like secretly uh you know like he one guy tells another like you got to come tomorrow there's the last plane and you got to come mm -hmm. with like 10000 francs in cash only and you know like you can't pay any other way so you can sort of see the stress that plays through and in the midst of all of this you got this romance you know like this doomed romance between the two of them yeah yeah and i think that's what makes this more than just a romance film because i think you know like romance is a genre that you know it can be very one note and for most of, and there are a lot of movies that sort of suffer from that problem you know like the you know it's like the guy meets a girl uh girl yeah, meets a guy yeah happy ever after yeah yeah the conflict and then you're happy ever after and you know it's just so boring and routine to watch and people often um you know like it's just like you know it never leaves anything more than like oh yeah i just watched that film you know that kind of a feeling and mm -hmm. often and people start to get more and more annoyed because you know that's not really how things work right and yeah, so yeah and this is yeah this is more nuanced than that because you see like 
there's no happy ever after. The war is still going. People are still dying. You know, uh, Rick is still in Casablanca. He's yeah. now leaving Casablanca. He, his love of his life is gone. Uh, mm-hmm. and, but there's still like, a, there's some like, you know, closure, but it's not like happily ever after, after. And especially that all of this is done within like a hundred minutes or so. Like, it's, it's pretty amazing, right? Because it's not even like two hours long and they managed to uh, put in so much context in the film. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, be- in the midst of all of this entire romance. And uh, I think that's what really sets it apart from a lot of other films that it's just got more to offer. And I think when a romance film does that, it often, uh, you know, set, it, it often becomes, you know, like rather than just being above average, you know, it just goes to great and fantastic and, you know, and leaves yeah. an impact mm-hmm. in the minds of audiences. And I think, uh, yeah, this movie is one that really excels. And I, I really understand why it has so much of an impact. I mean, that being said, like, there are some, like, cliche stuff. But, you know, like, when you I, look at the think, pros yeah. and cons, I, yeah, the pros definitely outweigh the cons. And I, that's why, like, I really love this movie. So Yeah, I think the cliche stuff seems cliche, cliche now because... It's been like ripped off. Like this concept has been like used so many times. Yeah. So when, when it's first released, like it was not cliche, but now it is because Hollywood's like revamped the same tropes in other movies. Yeah. And I think the main thing with the cliche stuff that I was talking about is like the way they uh, keep emphasizing the music even more and more towards the end, you know, like they have it play loudly, you know, in places oh, okay. where there could be some yeah. silence, you know. Like, you know, not like they just try to like, yeah, you like really force those emotions out of the audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the melodramas like played a little more like, you know, um, in that scene in Paris, like the flashback, uh, you know, like Ingrid Bergman, uh, she says like, you know, what will I do without you? And like all those dialogues, or like, I wish I can, um, what did she say exactly? But there are like a bunch of lines that she uh, says in a row uh, to Humphrey Bogger's character. And uh like it's it's very melodramatic, and yeah, you know, no, I I definitely see that, yeah, yeah. But I think uh, it's reflective of the time period that you know it was being made, and you know, like that was the oh, definitely because it's very um, I don't know how to say it, probably theatrical. I think that would be the best word for it. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's definitely the purchase from like cinema now, mm-hmm. but you you can tell that it was made. Made like, which is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I'm just saying that it's recognizable from the 40s as a 40s film. The same way like movies now with CGI recognizable of the 2010s and 90s and all that stuff. I feel like now, I feel like watching this, I sort of also realize the impla- impact that, you know, not to take away from Casablanca, but, mm-hmm. you know, I sort of realize the impact that uh, Marlon Brando had, like when he came onto the scene. Because if you watch movies like, um, have you seen like a streetcar named Desire or like on the waterfront? I've seen parts of it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen, yeah, same. I've seen like YouTube clips of those. Like I haven't watched the entire movie, but you can see yeah, in those same, scenes same, like yeah. how like he, he reacts, like he doesn't act. He more so like reacts to the situation. So he ends up feeling much more like a person than everyone else around him. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, I, but, you know, it's not very uh, theatrical. Like, he just follows the method of, like, you know, he performs an action. And then he sees mm-hmm. how others react to it. And then, like, based on their responses, he reacts to them accordingly. Like, you know, a normal, like, normal decision. And 
uh, it's very apparent when you see Marlon Brando with actors, like, especially in uh, A Streetcar Named Desire. Like, you can see him and Vivian Leigh. And the way uh-huh. they react to each other, it's so different. Like, Vivian Leigh is like <laughs> Vivian Leigh. I think her name is Vivian Leigh. But basically, her thing is like a little over the top. So she kind of like ramps it up, whereas he just keeps it grounded in the entire time. And like, when you see the disparity, uh, it almost makes for a really funny scene. And I mean, in the context of the scene, it makes sense too. Like, it's a little funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the way he reacts to it is so much more human than the way Vivian Leigh reacts to it. Like, not to take away, but I can sort of see the impact. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. I think, because this was like the beginning, not the beginning, but like it was like the, the time in cinema where you start picking up in like, you know, society. So it definitely was like a, a transfer from like uh, stage performances to films, movies. So I think that the stage, the, uh, like the, you know, the transition between stage and like movies is somewhat apparent here. Like you see like stage impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, as you said, as as time went on, like it, it more like cinema itself morphed into something completely different than uh, you know, before yeah. like uh, stage performances. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of historical context, it's not very accurate. But you know, letting go of those things, like I think it succeeds in what it has to do. Like for example, um, there aren't like any letters of transit. Like it was just a plot device made by the screenwriters, apparently. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, think I think the point, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was, was, was going to say that I think the point of this movie is not to be like historically accurate. It's not like a biopic or something like that. I think the point of this movie is to like depict, uh, like, like to persuade America into entering World War II. Um, I wouldn't say that's the only notion, right? Like. I mean, I mean this, yeah, yeah. I mean, there been more stuff, of course, like that's one of the, what I felt was one of the things. I mean, you do have a point because I was looking through the history and apparently, you know, uh, I didn't say this earlier, but along in the trivia, you know, they were actually supposed to have like a Nazi anthem instead of like the actual song that's played in the uh, movie. So mm-hmm. uh, it was supposed to be like the entire like French national anthem sequence. Uh, was supposed to have been uh, directed direct like directed against the Nazis specifically, you know. Uh, but, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, but they didn't do that because they were afraid that you know uh, the Nazis might you know claim ro- royalties and you know they didn't want to fund that and oh. get into all that mess. So they ended up <laughs> yeah, using this yeah. other German song, uh, uh, this other German patriotic song that was used in World War One, and that's what we hear in the film. So yeah, <laughs> yeah they don't they don't want to they don't want to fund the Nazis so they you know had to do that. But, yeah, it's it's very anti-Nazi for sure. Yeah, but yeah, you do make a point about that. And I just found out the person whom uh, Dooley Wilson was actually mimicking. I think his name is John, like Jean Vincent Plummer. So oh, Jean, it's a real person. It's based off an actual individual. No, no, no. I'm talking about the person whose hand motions he mimicked. Oh, on the piano. Yeah. So basically, Gene okay. Vincent Plummer, he did a piano uh, recording of the song. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he was behind a curtain. But basically, Dooley could watch his movements and, like, copy it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things in this. Um, uh, what do you think about Victor Laszlo? Because, you know, as a character, he doesn't stand for anything more than, like, you know, to accelerate the plot. He just sort of like this obstruction. So like, where do you think about his involvement? Because I felt like the performance was very stoic and rigid. 
but I can't really pinpoint on how it like did help or hurt the story specifically because I was Victor's more interested. the husband, right? Yeah, Victor's the husband. Okay, okay, sorry. It was definitely a great performance. I think for he was more there to represent an idea, if that makes sense. Like the rebels? Yeah. I think he's there to represent like anti Nazi sentiment. Right, right. But at the same time, he's, like mm-hmm. Did he have any other function than to accelerate the plot? Because as a character, he doesn't really stand on his own. Like, he's just an obstruction. But he's, yeah. made, but he's neither a supporting character, too. He's considered one of the main characters. So I feel yeah, like... I think, yeah, on that point, I think he's just more of, like, an idea. Like he, his character represents an idea like of rebellion and, you know, dissent. Mm-hmm. Because I think... Um, yeah, while Rick represents America, I think he represents like uh, the Allies in a way. And, yeah, you know, like Britain and like you know France and the Russia and like resistance to the Nazis. Yeah, and the way America joins the Allies' cause, eventually uh, Rick gives into Victor's cause, and you know, in the process, he has to sacrifice his love for Ilsa, and so yeah, Bergman ends up going along with uh, Paul Heinrich. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of amazing, like, how many themes they sort of incorporated, you know? Like, not only is it just a romance film, but they, it's definitely... Yeah, it's a war film. It's yeah. a political film, social yeah. commentary film. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a list. Yeah, I think it has a lot to say. And, you know, I think uh, Casablanca is actually, like, a really great setting because it's this mixture of uh, different people from around the world. It's like this transit zone where people can come yeah. in and come yeah. out. I mean, people come in, but they're struggling to move from there yeah. to like Lisbon, yeah. which is the next place. But yeah, um, I was really surprised at how much commentary there was in this movie, like a lot more than I expected because I was expecting a really straightforward romance. And I mean, despite like hearing a lot about the movie, I thought it offered a lot more than what I expected. So yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, very politically minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, also at the end, uh, what's that? The police officer, the main the perfect what's his name the french guy uh louis reynolds yeah uh louis at the end he has a bottle of wine that says vichy uh france and he he dumps in the trash can oh yeah and i found that because he's like rejecting like you know nazi occupied france yeah he's also used for a lot of humor too like there's a scene in yeah, the bar yeah. oh, where he's the, like the, the gambling scene yeah yeah <laughs> like, he, like I mean, gambling is illegal, but he allows Rick, he permits Rick to do it because, you know, Rick doesn't interfere in whatever they had to do. So, uh, yeah, the German general, the major stopster is like, you had to find a reason to close this bar. And so he's like, okay, you had to close this bar because of gambling. And then some guy comes up, right? One of the waiters <laughs> comes up, is like, here are your winnings, sir. And he's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and there's a lot of uh, little nods to humor like that that are, you know, like woven really nicely into the screenplay. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was also a very entertaining movie in that way too. You know, I was talking mm-hmm. about the dialogue earlier, how he um how he's able to retort so well. And it's like sort of this he be, he like that's how you sort of see like only he's the only one that sort of like retorts that quickly and he sort of built this defensive uh mechanism around him because he's so cynical of the world and of the people that are in it. But the only one who gets him to open up is Ilsa and you know she played a really important role in that way. Yeah, like, I think he is very cynical. Yeah. He got the whole movie. And I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a reflection of its time. And 
Yeah, it, ha it has a very interesting message, like not one that you would expect from a romance movie. So, yeah, you want to talk about, um, what's his name? Rick's and Louis' uh, like friendship? At the end? I mean, they sort of get along, but you know, they're, since they're on like opposite sides of the law, they are forced to be against each other, you know, throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. And at the end, like Louis finally gives up and, you know, goes along with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, think I, both, it, I think both are trying to be like impartial to the war. Mm -hmm. like, what's going, like the world itself. But then at the end, they realize that you can't. You have to pick sides. Yeah. Yeah, and they eventually pick the side, uh, you know, uh, what they think up is to, righteous, yeah, up right? To, yeah, yeah. Because in the beginning, uh, Louis, like, the Germans ask him about, like, his loyalties. And if he sides with, like, the France or, like, with, uh, like, Germany, yeah. he says, he, he says, like, you know, whatever, whoever's my boss, that's who I side with, right? So, you know, yeah. And then no. I think but at the end, you know, he defies the Germans and, like, definitely shows that he has loyalties. Yeah, it's a very dynamic character because, you know, he's on, he's on the side of being righteous, but at the same time, he knows, he feels like Casablanca is going to be taken over by the Germans and therefore it's better to uh, suck up to them rather than, you know, yeah, their yeah. bad side, you know? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, he sort of has this character arc throughout the story uh, that really enhances him, you know, as a much more interesting character than what he could have been originally. So the fact that like these supporting characters also, uh, rather than just be one note, you know, I mean like most of the people in his bar are one note, right? Like Sam, uh, Carl, the waiter. Um, yeah, most of the Nazis are pretty one note. Yeah, Sasha uh, too. <laughs> yeah, and then I think uh, Louis Reynolds comes in and he steps in as a much more interesting character out of all of these people. And you know, it makes for a much more uh, interesting Dynamics, movie. Yeah. yeah. Interesting dynamics too, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was just reading some facts here. Apparently, um, the director, Michael Curtis, he had a Hungarian accent. So he was like, I need a poodle in the, in the like, for a scene. And then, so well, the prop guy, he went around searching for an hour and he finally found a poodle. And then he was a like, poodle? I don't want, yeah, a poodle. But what he meant was like, he wanted a puddle of water. And uh, oh. <laughs> so his accent, yeah, it reminds me of this. Um, reminds me of some some uh, anecdotes that actors are given about, uh, like Denis Villeneuve, mm -hmm. because uh, Villeneuve has a French accent, like he's, he's from Quebec. French, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So his accent um, also, you know, results in some funny things like these. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just found out like the girl who plays Yvonne and uh, the croupier Emil. Like in the movie, yeah, they, their their husband and wife at the time of the fleet. Oh, uh, yeah, their husband and wife, and Same. they and then apparently they just uh, escaped right before the Nazis came to France. Oh wow! And a, yeah, a lot of the cast is pretty much like that. The guy who plays Major Stasser, his name is uh, Conrad Weit, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he was also he's a German Jew, and he was known in the theatrical community for you know, his hate for the Nazis, and he left, too. Yeah, I, I would imagine his hate for the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, and he played this role. Uh, it, was an, it was written in his contract that he only played villains because he thought that, you know, by playing villains, he could show how really bad the Nazis are and yeah. help with the war effort. Yeah. So, yeah. I think on that point, I think this was one of the first movies that, like, took a stab at, like, Nazis. 
Or would like, you say like it's one of the first movies that had a political stand in general? Yeah, yeah. I think because uh, like this style, like the whole, you know, because like the Nazis had the propaganda, like Goebbels had a very strong like movie industry. Like he made a lot of like Nazi propaganda movies. And I think this is like the opposite of that. So this helped counteract all like the Nazi propaganda that's coming out. I think after the war, this has also continued to, I think it definitely helped cement like after the Nazis regime like fell and stuff. It helps cement that yeah, Nazism is bad, too. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of incredible in those ways because they, I think, by actually uh, finding uh, actors who you know who are willing to be a part, like from various places around the world, like not just American. Like, I mean, there are very few American cast members. The director's Hungarian. Your main actress is Swedish, and you know, uh, your uh, the other. I mean, Humphrey Bogart is American, and Paul Heinrich is Austrian, I think. Um, I'm just trying to see how many American... Yeah, there's like... I can only think of... a lot. Yeah, Yeah. I think it might be just Sam, uh, uh, Humphrey Bogart, and yeah, uh, maybe a couple of other people. Everyone else is like German or Austrian or Dutch or... Yeah, Yeah, which makes sense, too, because the the movie is not set in America. It's set in, you know, French-occupied Casablanca. Yeah. I mean, the entire thing was shot in the studio. So the fact that they could uh, outsource these actors, you know, and find all these people, like only the airport sequence at the end is filmed uh, outside of Van Nuy Airport, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's in San Fernando uh, Valley in California. But uh, oh, yeah, really? every, oh, wow. yeah, everything else was shot in the studio. So there's nothing that is that, that was actually ever done in Casablanca because, you know, at that point, at that point, they had to... You gotta be aware. Yeah, because Casablanca was a French territory and occupied by a French regime that was loyal to the Germans. Yeah. So I don't think shooting with like escaped, like you know, Jewish actors would mm-hmm. be the best. <laughs> yeah, and I'm seeing like a lot of these actors were like uh, against the Nazi movement, so that probably gave it a more personal touch in the film too. Yeah, I can. That definitely comes through. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I think uh, it's a really nice movie. And you have anything else to say? I mean, I said a lot and there's probably more to say, but. No, I think, yeah, I've said it all I wanted to say too. Yeah, because I'm I'm trying to look for a lot of things. And, you know, at the moment, I mean, maybe like 10 minutes later, I'll be like, oh, I wish I said this on the podcast. but, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I really like this movie and I think it offered more than what I expected. Yeah. Yeah, it really yeah, went above my expectations despite being a classic. Yeah. It's definitely a period piece. Uh, definitely like represents the time it was made in. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a period piece in its own way. I mean, it's not perfectly accurate in that sense, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it represents the ideals of the time. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, this was like a huge success for Warner Bros. And it's a classic now. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been like, you know. You like referenced in all of pop culture forever. Yeah, I'm just I haven't seen The Simpsons, but like I'm just imagining like how many references. They yeah, it's, had. Th- there's a lot. There's <laughs> a lot. Yeah, I, I've seen yeah. some. Yeah. The only the only one that I've seen like directly like influenced by Casablanca is this one skit on SNL. It's like J.K. Simmons and Kate McKinnon, and it's like this parody of like how. Uh, uh, the way they, they like, I think uh, Kate McKinnon sort of parodies the way Ingrid Bergman says her lines. Like she keeps saying no, no, and then like 
she just sort of exaggerates it and that's the entire scale uh, <laughs> but that's the only influence that i've seen so mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm really glad that you recommended this film yeah so, I, i've been meaning to watch it for some time now definitely yeah so ratings and final thoughts uh i'll give it a 4.5 yeah 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 uh definitely it's a classic uh watching it definitely transported back to the 40s them takes to editing yeah and the acting is brilliant directing is you know it's 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 minimalistic basic, but it, yeah but it works it's, yeah it doesn't like hinder the plot it works and i think that was uh, the intention and you know it really helped yeah them. yeah yeah and then yeah i'll give this one a 4 out of 5 yeah 4 out of 5 so i had a recommendation mm-hmm. moving on uh i had a recommendation for next week's episode and uh i was thinking like you know why not do an indian movie uh the thing yeah. is that yeah i had like a lot of hesitation recommending indian movies because um i don't know most of them like don't offer like much in terms of discussion <laughs> i feel but yeah. I, <laughs> i mean don't get me wrong like they're sort of like fun in their own way but like in terms of serious discussion i wanted to find like a actually great film and then i found out there was an art house circuit in india that i didn't know about it's just that these films are not often seen by everyone and i mean this is not really art house film that i'm going to recommend it's uh-huh. been on the commercial radar for quite a bit but it's got a lot of critical acclaim and so i thought and it's also in a very unique genre that's not often seen in indian film so i'm going to recommend a movie called tumbad and uh, uh-huh. it's from 2018 and it's basically this horror fantasy film oh interesting yeah Yeah, so I thought I thought it would be an interesting choice because you don't really see those yeah, uh, types of films. Yeah, that's an interesting genre from Indian yeah. cinema. Yeah, it received a lot of critical acclaim and I'm kind of excited to watch it, so I thought, you know, why not? What's it about? Um, it's this horror fantasy film about this guy, um he goes to his Okay, so uh, let me let me check this out because I want to give like a proper synopsis before I just say something stupid. Yeah, so it's basically uh stars the producer in his main role so he goes so he goes uh in search of like a hidden treasure in mm-hmm. a village called Tumbad in Maharashtra and this is like set in the 20th century so it's kind of like a period piece of sorts oh interesting okay yeah so um yeah so like during british colonization yeah um okay. well let me see the exact year before i say yeah around in 1947 yeah it's it's like oh, so that's, 1900 this after independence yeah yeah and i think there's like a flashback sequence too because i just looked into the wikipedia plot really quickly and it says 1918 too so yeah oh okay yeah so i think this will be a really interesting pick and uh, i think we'll we'll have a fun discussion about this one so that's my recommendation tumbad 2018 uh it's hindi yeah. like the language if you're wondering okay. uh but yeah that's my comic too <laughs> yeah All right. So that's my recommendation and this is the end of the episode. If you want to follow us <laughs> on our socials, um uh we have our Instagram accounts linked in the description below. Mine is Risha Poikil, my name and Hamza. Uh mine is Hamza uh 9 H U M Z A A H 9. And uh yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the end of the episode. So thanks for listening. See ya.